Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving movies? Hello and welcome to Little Marty, the only podcast on the internet dedicated to covering the works of Adam Sandler and Martin Scorsese. My name is Eric Halloween. And my name is Jeremy the Butcher. Welcome, welcome one and all. Jeremy the Butcher is a you know the name of a character I would not be surprised to find in a in a in a film such as the one that we're discussing today. That yes, absolutely. That is uh that is correct. And the film we are discussing today is Midnight Meat Train. <laughs> uh we are discussing Bringing Out the Dead today, correct? Thank God. Yeah. When you said that, I was kind of like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, yes. Bringing yeah, out the B-O-T-D. dead. The, um, the 1990, uh, what was it? Seven? When did 1999. Oh, 99. Wow. 90, 99. Scorsese. I feel like incredibly underrated, um, hidden gem. So hidden gem I think so. Eric like this is a film that's so interesting to me because it doesn't get talked about at all and there's two things about this movie that are hugely popular one is Martin Scorsese discourse and the second mm-hmm. is Nicolas Cage discourse yes both of these elements are in this movie oh screenplay you know, Jeremy- by Paul Schrader if you can believe it or not true I want to I want to ask you about Paul Schrader a little later later on too by the way. But um yeah, I you know these days a listener might be tuning into this podcast and they might be wondering is this a podcast about Martin Scorsese and Adam Sandler or is this a podcast about John Goodman and Nicolas Cage? I know, dude. I I thought about that as soon as we were, we turned this on and I was like, my guy, this is we, there's a theme emerging here. A giant, and, oh, yeah. and this week with our Patreon exclusive, which we should plug the Patreon, um, we have a uh, we have a, 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 another John Goodman treat uh, with Barton yes. Fink, the Coen Brothers uh, classic Barton Fink that we're covering on that Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Eric and Jeremy, where you can find all of the latest and greatest of our bonus content we have supplementally supplied over there behind a paywall. But here's the thing. You get in that ecosystem, you join the family, as I like to say, and you get tons of free bonus content, like years and years of us covering TV shows and movies and and guest requests, Eric. Guests of of our show and of the Patreon um, have requested us to do certain films, and we have covered them, even if they were downright horrible and pornographic and disgusting (laughs) we've covered them sure we will do anything over there i've said it once and i'll say it again give us give us twenty (laughs) dollars and we'll do anything (laughs) yeah it's so true it's disgusting yeah so anyway uh patreon.com slash eric and jeremy you know jeremy great segue into that plug my man you're 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 turning into a, a little pro over there after all these and, uh, years, I'm finally just I'm finally figuring out what it's like to host a show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, usually you're like eight feet away from the microphone. First of all, right. Second of all, not wearing head headphones. Right. I have a. So bull it's really horn. hard to have a conversation. I have a bullhorn. I'm just screaming from across the room to try to make it into the microphone. Yeah, but Jeremy, this is not unlike how you would uh, how someone discovered at one point. To play Dark Side of the Moon along with Wizard of Oz, right? Sync up. Okay. I think that just as astounding is we have discovered that if you start watching the Martin Scorsese movies in order, mm. right? Yeah. 
And then months later, <laughs> you start the Coen Brothers movies. You're going to start to see some of the same actors in each movie. Yeah. Isn't that something? It's almost like yeah. popular actors in the 90s early on were still popular later on. Right. <laughs> also, and, do uh, you remember that John Goodman was on Roseanne? That's actually like what I think I originally know him from. I think so too, but I but now that I've seen him in so many movies, I've like forgotten that he was like a series, he was like a cast member of a very popular sitcom for a long time. You know, there was actually a um well, there's a kids movie that I think I re- actually is coming to mind as like the, my first exposure the borrowers. to Borrowers. Yes, that's yeah. it. Or yeah. he was the voice of the T-Rex in We're Back, another 90s cartoon throwback for you. We're back. Okay. Oh, I know him also from the Flintstones movie, which was hot when I was a kid. I don't know. Were you were you around for the Flintstones movie? I was around for the Flintstones movie. It was uh it kind of came and went around around uh my parts for oh, some reason. Yeah, I get yeah. it. It was hugely popular it. in uh and I guess California and uh, McDonald's had all these toys. My girlfriend pulled up a TikTok account um, where this guy kind of collects old like McDonald's toys from the '90s and was showing off some of his Flintstones the movie memorabilia. Total Interesting. trip. Interesting. Um, you know, Jeremy, we got to get on TikTok. By the way, my man. Yeah, the podcast does. Yeah, that seems like something that a lot of podcasts are doing. <laughs> yeah, they're getting on TikTok. They're doing their episodes in like three hundred uh, bits because it's like a like minute or two per TikTok you can use. So it's yeah. like, yeah, it's like a ton of, of ones yes. per episode. But we could do some. We could do some fun stuff, Jeremy. Like for instance, it could be like a shot of me like talking into the microphone, and I'm kind of bobbing my head yeah in a certain way <laughs> yes. and then it, the camera kind of moves to reveal that you're next to me bobbing your head in a similar way mm-hmm. yeah i think that could go viral yeah and uh you know put and us in a club maybe with some uh excellent music we got ourselves a hit sure. baby oh yeah the whole time we're talking about uh, de- uh death what is that what what's the paul ws anderson driving movie oh god death race <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Jeremy, uh, we're talking bringing out the dead today, uh, and you mentioned. I, I think I I I, uh, I agree with what you said. I think this movie's quite underrated. Uh, what do you know about this movie? Like, have you seen this movie before? Um, yeah, I I had uh, seen it before. Yes. I've seen it before, and it's actually one of my favorites of Scorsese's. Mm. Um, so I was excited to revisit it. I'd only seen it once, and boy, I got to tell you, it did not disappoint the second time. In fact, I saw it probably a, over a decade ago now, and seeing it again, um, you know, much older, uh, so uh, maybe even better than my experience um, the first time. But yeah, it, it's one I'm definitely familiar with. What about you? Yeah, I um so this is what I knew about bringing out the dead going into it cuz I'd never seen it before. I think I guess I had heard of it. Um all that I knew about this movie was the name Bringing Out the Dead, knowing that it's a Nicolas Cage starring Martin Scorsese movie and the cover looks like is like all red and it's like the plus sign, you know, the like paramedic sign with Nicolas Cage's face in the background, all red. But for some reason, when I looked at that, I thought it was like a, like a cross or something. Like I thought, here's what I thought I was gonna, this movie was gonna be about, Jeremy. I thought I was going into like a Martin Scorsese vampire movie. Because mm. <laughs> it's called <laughs> Bringing Out the Dead. Yeah, I get right? that, yeah. I was thinking like zombies or vampires. And like the, the at, a, at a cursory glance of the, you know, the cover. Right. You can kind of see where, where, where the, and, and I kind of associate cross. with Nicholas yeah, Cage. Yeah, yeah, totally. Absolutely, yeah. It's so funny you say that, Eric. I, I remember one t- uh, when There'll Be Blood premiered, uh, we all got our tickets for the same day. And um, 
uh, <laughs> my friend's girlfriend at the time did not know anything about the movie and from the title thought that movie was about vampires and uh, <laughs> didn't realize it wasn't about vampires until maybe most of the way through the movie. Like the continually thought <laughs> the, mo- the movie was going <laughs> to be about vampires at some point. And when you watch the movie with that in mind, it kind of does seem like it might be about vampires at some point. Right. Like, there's nothing to clue you in that it's not. Um, that's very funny, though. Yeah. It's, Scorsese doing, like, a conventional ho- uh, monster movie, though, would be really cool. Like, uh, I don't know about vampires, but, like, a werewolf movie or something. That I mean, that would be kick-ass. Yeah, I'd watch it. Um, but, yeah, so that was... I, I will say it, like, took me a second to uh adjust i will also say this movie is like i mean look i've seen like the saw movies and stuff and oh, like right. yeah, you yeah. know a lot of like torture horror movies and stuff this movie is like the the gore and stuff is so realistic oh yeah um not necessarily from like the effects but just from the directing and the the performances and stuff I was like, I probably looked away like more times than I have for a movie in a while. I actually started this movie. Um, I was I, I I start I was eating a meal like while I started <laughs> started this movie. Yeah, and I think I got like ten minutes in and just paused it, and it was like, all right, I'm just gonna finish this sandwich real quick and then pick it back up. Oh uh, man, that's so that's so funny. Yeah, but totally, man. Um, yeah, I'm going to use a, a phrase here that I, that I think is kind of corny and usually reserved for like a, a trailer about the Transformers or something, but I, I would describe this movie as high octane. Like it's a movie that just never takes a break ever. Like right. it's just constantly going and it makes you feel like really exhausted, like watching it. Cause no, I mean, this the violence is like super gross, but then at some point it has like a numbing effect where you're just like, you're just like, when will when will all of this chaos end? You know, and I think that's an attempt to try to like make you feel like you're an EMT driving a an ambulance, but like it's it really does the trick I think of making you just feel like crazy and on drugs and. And like so anxious and jumpy and yeah, it's 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 really interesting. I think of all of Scorsese's movies, this might be the most high octane. You know, I mean, there's a lot of Goodfellas that reminds me of this movie. You know, like just like quick camera work and it almost like it's shot in montage and stuff. But this one is like the whole movie is like one of Goodfellas' many montages. You know. Mm. yeah it's uh it definitely doesn't give you it doesn't give you a break it, it's weird it feels i know that this takes place over a few days but it it kind of just feels like one just continuous night um yeah. and it's interesting too it's like one of the i'm trying to think of another i guess maybe uh after hours sort of uh like another one of these scorsese movies where you're kind of like following this character but you're also like meeting all these other characters like you're getting these little like vignettes almost or little you know little bits right not comedy bits but like um yeah this movie's in sections right and like you can Uh dissect each section by who his partner is so it's like the first beginning of the movie is all john goodman and you kind of think you're with john goodman the whole way and then it moves over to ving rames and then it moves over to Tom Sizemore and you never really get John Goodman again or Ving Rhames again you know what I mean like once they're gone they're gone yeah yeah I was kind of hoping to get Goodman again yeah because he's great yeah I mean I mean but I I think all three of them are great even though I don't really care for Tom Sizemore as a person I do think like it all culminating to the end with his character is like really special and it's like really dark and crazy. And um, yeah, it is one like one long jaunt into madness. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think structurally the film is also really interesting. Like it's like, that's weird that the movie is like 
Okay, now we have the John Goodman third, and then this is the Tom Sizemore third. Um, so we got Nicolas Cage, Patricia Arquette, mm-hmm. Johnny G, <laughs> Vingy R, <laughs> Tom Sizemore, Mark Anthony of all yes, people. Yes, and he's great, which is I was not I you know, I forgot it was him for the longest time, and he's and he's excellent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is, uh, I guess loosely based on a, on a novel by Joel Connolly, um, and screenplay by Paul Schrader. So what do you know about Paul Schrader, by the way? Cause I, I, I know very little about him. Uh, I know that he wrote the card counter mm-hmm. and directed it, which yeah. is a movie that I recently watched. what did you think of it? Do you like it? I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, Paul Schrader is an interesting fella to me because he wrote like a ton of Scorsese's movies, right? Like he wrote Raging Bull and Taxi Driver and Last Temptation of Christ and this. But oh, he, really? Oh, okay. I should know. I, I guess I should know more about him at this point. No, 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 no. I mean, we just, don't really talk about like the writers of the Scorsese movies as much, though. Well, usually they're. It's not the most eventful topic because I think you know Scorsese has such a visual. He has such a visual style and such a voice in cinema that the writer is usually like, you know, can can sometimes be pretty secondary. But like Schrader is the exception to that where like Taxi Driver is like Travis Bickle is sort of Paul Schrader. Like I don't think Paul Schrader is like a real monster like Travis Bickle, but like like Paul Schrader like wrote that in a depression and he wrote it based on like the claustrophobia and and sort of psychosis he was feeling around his time, like in New York in the seventies. So like he's a, he's a rough guy, Paul Schrader. And he directed a bunch of movies. Um, some, some bigger than others, some notorious, some really popular. I think, uh, that last Ethan Hawke movie where he's the priest, I can't remember what that movie is called. Mm, First reformed. That's a Paul Schrader movie. Um, American Gigolo with Richard Gere is a is a, a Paul Schrader movie. Ah, Rob Schneider. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he's kind of a weird guy, and and he's still around, and he's like very famous for being on Facebook and just being like kind of a weird old dude on Facebook who like posts about <laughs> weird stuff, and like cool, and yeah, and then he stills working. I don't know. I I I I like Paul Schrader. I don't know much about his directing work. I may have never actually seen a movie he's directed, to be honest with you. But as a writer, he's really important to, you know, American cinema. So I, I don't know. I, 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 without him, we don't get a lot of these classic Scorsese movies, but you know, it's like, I, other than that, I don't know else a ton about him, but right. do, do you have it's any? It's like that guy that writes all the, Elton John songs. Yeah. <laughs> Is it doesn't Elton John have like a guy that writes all the songs or something? Yeah, Billy Joel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. I love El- I love that song Piano Man by Elton John by the way. Right, right. Hold me closer, Piano Man. Um anyway, uh Paul yes, okay, so Paul Schrader, films directed by Marty Scorsese. Uh, I had read that Nicolas Cage went full on, uh, damn, I'm trying to think, full on machinist to prepare for this, uh, this role. And by that, I mean, he didn't sleep a lot. Yeah. He looks like crap. (laughs) (laughs) He looks really bad. He looks worse like throughout the movie too, which is impressive. It is very impressive. Yeah. Some of the trivia around this movie is also pretty exciting. I don't know if you've read any of it, but it's pretty nuts. Yeah, well, you know, I have read that Martin Scorsese has admitted that he didn't enjoy shooting the film <laughs> at all, <laughs> and, that, and that most of it was filmed at night in mid-December, so conditions were continually harsh. Yeah, that's yeah, that sounds bad. That's horrible. Uh, what a nightmare. Um, apparently, Tom Sizemore and Mark Anthony did actually didn't get along, and almost had a physical altercation on set, which is crazy. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know Nicolas Cage and Patricia Arquette were married um, during the filming really? of this. Really? Yeah. They were married during the filming of this. Uh, uh, Nicolas Cage would go through an average of 10 shirts every night filming through a combination of blood, sweat, and mud. 
I do the same thing for the same reason. <laughs> for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Scorsese and Cage rode along with real New York City paramedics in preparation for filming. So did Schrader, apparently. Went out on several ambulance runs to get a real flavor for what the crews Interesting. have to put up with on a normal night. Yeah, that would be a... Uh, I don't think I would enjoy... Uh, the, the life of a paramedic. No. I think this movie convinced me that I would never want to work in a, uh, really any sort of medical field, but like definitely not like an emergency type of medical uh, scenario. Yeah. Uh, let's see. In the scene where Frank attempts to save Rose, the actors acted out their movements in reverse. The sequence itself was then played in reverse. Uh, this adds to the dreamlike effect of the scene in which the snow... Uh, rises kind of like that Radiohead song. Mm. Uh, What's it called? Pyramid. Yeah, oh, Pyramid you're thinking song. of uh, you're thinking of like um, spinning plates. Oh, where he he sing Tom York sings the words backwards and then they play it backwards. Oh, right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're thinking of so a, when you're you thinking hear of, it, you're, you're thinking of like, creep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's really good at singing backwards. <laughs> Can't even tell. Uh, let's see. No Oscar noms for this one. Kind of surprised. Well, yeah. Maybe I am surprised. I don't know what else was uh, going on that year, 99. 99 seems like it might have been a big year for movies. Let me let me see what the 90, 99 Oscars. Oh, are you serious? I could tell you off the top of my head a bunch. Mag- tell me. Magnolia comes out that year. Eyes Wide ah. Shut comes out that year. Okay. Um, American Pie comes out that year. We have The <laughs> okay. Sixth Sense comes out that year. The Matrix right. comes out that year. Okay, yeah, I could see how this one would get uh, overlooked a little bit. In it's that. still a great film, though. I mean, you know, it just, yeah. I think to me, it adds to the list of monolithic films that, that came out. That we were really spoiled in 99. Hmm. Uh, let's see here. Oh, yeah, this along with Sleepy Hollow is the last movie to be released on Laserdisc. You ever, did you have Laserdiscs lying around in no. your, when you were growing up? <laughs> no, but <laughs> I, I, I started collecting them later on, um, you know, just out of college, and I would frame them and hang them on my wall. They look cool. Yeah, I didn't, I had to, like, g- Google what they are, um... Because, I mean, I just pictured, like, a CD, but they're bigger. They're much bigger than that, aren't they? Yeah. They are a record. record Record-sized CD. Yes. Strange. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyway, uh, you seeing anything else in here, Jeremy, or do you want to get into the old plot? No, let's get in the plot. Let's do it. Bringing out the dead. Uh, in Manhattan, depressed and burnt-out paramedic Frank Pierce has not saved any patients in months and begins to hallucinate <clears throat> the ghosts of those lost. One night, Frank and his partner Larry respond to a call by the family of Mr. Burke, who has entered cardiac arrest. There, Frank befriends Burke's distraught daughter, Mary, a former junkie, and discovers Mary was friends with Noel, a drug, ad- a drug addict, and delinquent who is frequently sent to the hospital. <clears throat> so yeah, we're getting into it right away. Yeah, we uh, we get the the Van Morrison song is thumping in the background. That really good, wonderful good like um, harmonica, like with a yeah. good groove. Uh, again, very high octane. A lot of quick cuts. A lot of whip, I do think whip pans. I do think that. The choice to play brown-eyed girl over and over again was a weird <laughs> choice because mm-hmm. it doesn't quite match the tone. But and I could kept trying to figure out what the symbolism of that meant. But <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, some of this information we actually don't find out till later. Like Mary being a former junkie comes out quite a bit later in the in the film. But um, but yeah, we're kind of just you know fly on the wall for a a, a, a night in the life of these two these two paramedics, um, Frank. And Larry, the first call they they get uh, uh, is on Mr. Burke, and um, we get a situation where they he's died, right? And um, mm-hmm. 
they they actually call it, but then they try one last thing and he comes back to life. And so they they drag him to the hospital and I you can kind of tell right away Frank is kind of into Mary or at least intrigued by her or drawn to her for some reason. But uh yeah. but yeah, they it, at some point in the film Nicolas Cage says something about how like you know they're desensitized because of what they see not unlike police officers are when they have to set up like state like a like like tape off a crime scene yeah he says something along those lines a few times like there's another point later in the movie where he talks about how you just kind of like block it out yeah like you just learn to block things out and i i appreciate those that dialogue obviously but like the movie's kind of showing you that without telling you it sort of right away i I think like you kind of get that sense from the jump that like all the doctors and all the people in the film treat this job as if it was like like they crack a lot of jokes and there's a lot of like uh you know they don't put a lot of for doc for being doctors they don't put a ton of investment in human life necessarily because there's just so much sickness and death around them at all times. They have to kind of be picky and choosy on who they like will accept and not accept because the hospitals are literally overflowing. Um, which is, uh, I imagine, you know, in most recent years, 2020 with COVID it, I'm sure it looked very similar to this, you know, like just, people lined around the block trying to get into the hospital, you know, no more beds. Um, pretty, pretty crazy. Like not just like for the fiction of the film, but like as a little bit of an education into like what EMTs and doctors kind of have to deal with in like major metro, you know, metropolitan cities like this. Yeah. There's a lot of like, it's weird. Cause it's, <clears throat> I, I found it really interesting. The I, I'm assuming a lot of the dialogue, or like, I'm I'm assuming a decent amount of the dialogue is from the novel, which was I think written by an actual paramedic. I think yeah. that's what the book is. Is and like he was a um, consult on the film as well. Yeah, there's a lot of like joke, like joking around here and there, uh, like really, really dark humor from these paramedics. Where you know, there's some like. Like some of the dialogue with like like a uh, like a junkie, you know, will be will mm. be at the hospital, and they'll be like, "Well, why should I even? Why should I help you?" or whatever kind of a thing. Or um, right, and the, the like. I I didn't I don't think I laughed at all during this movie. Right. But it was really fascinating to think like, yeah, I mean, these people have like an insane job that's yeah. just like they witness like horrors every day, and they have to like. Really, they have to like joke around and stuff a little bit, and that, like that's what that that version of it is is like, just really upsetting. Like how Tom Sizemore is just like laughing about the uh, yeah the the the, the, the suit the guy that tried to commit suicide yeah later on is that Sizemore or is it that is Sizemore. Um, yeah yeah well, it's it's there's it's like gallows humor, but I mean yeah it also but I think the film also does a really good job of like making you relate to how infuriating like it would be to have to pick up a junkie multiple times a night uh in an ambulance or you know when you're already overworked and no sleep and you know or or you know what i mean like like there's a there's a a drunk kind of old stinky guy (laughs) that's very famous to them to all the emts and like um you know the film really does a good job of making you like be like uh, like like you you feel the same anger towards these people as the emts do and i i think that's like a success of the film that like normally i'd i'd be like you monsters help this man out you know i'd be clutching my pearls but in this world and framed this way you're kind of like on board with what their grind is and how horrible and and demanding it can be yeah it's uh you know it's not unlike the life of a uh podcaster really it, it truly i'm i haven't slept in months getting ready for just <laughs> yeah. this episode <laughs> yeah um let's see here after a few minor calls frank and larry respond to the aftermath of a shooting where frank notices two vials of red death heroin roll out from a surviving victim's sleeve 
while in the back of the ambulance with Frank and Noel, the victim attempts to repent for his drug dealing ways, but dies before they can reach the hospital. Yeah. yeah this red death stuff comes up. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's a real thing too. Let me, let me check. I feel like I've heard of red death before. Yeah. Um, while you're looking that up, maybe I'm, I, uh, maybe I'm thinking of the Mask of the Red Death by Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, that could be it. <laughs> while you're looking that up, I wanted to mention we have um, uh, Martin Scorsese playing the Dispatcher in the movie, which is like kind of a cute little, you know, thing that you can notice or not notice. You know, it it uh, it doesn't you know it's sort of hidden, you know, like he's, it's not, te- it's telegraphed only if you happen to know like how his voice sounds. But then also we have the great Michael Kenneth Williams uh, plays the drug dealer uh, who recently passed away, but is like an incredible actor from shows like the wire and 12 years a slave and boardwalk empire. Um, Really great actor uh, plays playing the drug dealer. Um, so, so this is the first thing I like. Not like I don't want to go down a long uh, thread of like problems I have with the movie, but I will say that like this movie could I think is how it's divided in three sections with each partner. It could also be divided in two sections, and one half is like the Nicholas Cage is an EMT driver and he's trying to help people and his job's really demanding. And then the other half is like a drug half of the movie, which is about like drugs and how Mary used to be on drugs and how Frank's an alcoholic. And then there's all the drug dealer stuff. And I will say that for my money, the the stuff with the drugs and the drug dealing works a lot less for me than mm. all the stuff about being a ambulance driver. And like what that life must be like. I don't know how right. you felt, but like anything with like uh, the the drug. Uh, we'll get to him later on, but Sai is his name. Anything with him or like Mary doing drugs or like being in the drug den. Like I kind of felt like they could have cut that all out, and you wouldn't really miss much because it didn't really to me add much to the story. Like to me, this is a story about an ambulance driver who is overworked and no sleep and hallucinating some of the people he lost. And at the same time, trying to help out this, this one woman that he's kind of, you know, imprinted himself on. But well, like, I think yeah. the, I think the size stuff is important because the size size is like as crazy as it is. Like he, you, you could tell I, by the way, I don't know this actor very well, Cliff Curtis. Yeah. But, uh, love this guy. I love this character. That he's yeah. playing. Just this like real smooth, like oh, yeah, smooth dirtball customer. drug yeah. drug guy. But he's like his character thinks that he's helping people, like he's saving people in the same oh, way that yeah. Nicolas Cage is. You know what I mean? But That's he's but his version yeah. of helping people is only making Nicolas Cage's job harder. Like Nicolas Cage ultimately <laughs> has to help the people that Cliff Curtis's character is helping. I really you know like I mean? that. I really like. I yeah. I, I guess I hadn't thought of it that way. As soon as you started saying that, I kind of like that. Kind of like reveals itself to be true somewhere deep down in my brain. So yeah. I think I do. Yeah. I do. Uh, I do Sudoku's. That's how I keep my <laughs> brain sharp. Uh, no, that that's actually that's really good. That's really astute. I'm 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 I'm, I'm kind of reconsidering it now. I think it might work more on a metaphorical level. I think just for me, like the, the specific scenes dealing with it. Although I do like him going to the apartment. I think like that is interesting. I there it, it does to me. It was like I still don't think it works for me completely. But I do. I I like it a little better now that you've said that. I lied, by the way. I did laugh one time <laughs> in this movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> And it was uh, like, it was at the end, like when when Nicolas Cage is like, just like wait, like wakes up from this like nightmare and like grabs Patricia Arquette, and it's <laughs> yeah. this really intense scene. And then towards the end, Sai is like, "You owe me ten dollars." Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. That's really funny. Hey, and you owe me ten dollars. <laughs> uh, the next day, Frank is paired with Marcus, an eccentric and religious man, and the two respond to 
A man reported to be in cardiac arrest in a club. When they arrive, Frank diagnoses uh, that he is, in fact, suffering from an overdose caused by Red Death. As Frank injects the man with Narcan, Marcus starts a prayer circle with the baffled club goers. And just as his preaching climaxes, the overdosed man regains consciousness. <clears throat> Um, on the way back to the hospital, Frank visits Mary's apartment to tell her that her father's condition is improving. Frank and Marcus then respond to a call by a young man whose girlfriend is giving birth to twins. Uh, Frank and Marcus rush the two infants and the mother to the hospital where Marcus brings the mother and healthy twin to the maternity ward while Frank attempts to revive the other twin in the hospital. Uh, the hospital is un- unable to revive the smaller twin, and a dismayed Frank starts drinking before Marcus joins him and crashes the ambulance into a parked car. Okay, so I, like, never... It's it's very... I, I pretty much only puke when I am, like, really sick. Like, I have, like, a stomach problem or right. sickness or something. right. Um, like the sight of things don't make me throw up. The closest I've ever gotten to throwing up from looking at something uh-huh. was this baby scene for some reason. <laughs> Why? Like for some reason, like the combination of like this, these performances are so good. And like these get this guy, like being convinced that this woman who is giving birth isn't pregnant. And then really like the, the, the visual that I can't get out of my mind that like really made me sick to my stomach was mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage like running into the hospital while he's giving CPR to the little baby. Yeah, like, yeah. So intense, dude. I was I, like, yeah. Okay, man, so it more I like, can't it more like made you sick from just intensity almost. Like, yeah, yeah. But I like felt like I was gonna like I was gonna throw up. It's it's crazy, man. It you know it, this movie shares a lot in common with like uh, I feel like more in common with like drug movies than it does like um what's it called than like doctor film or like hospital movies like like in I'm thinking of th- movies like Train Spotting. Do you remember that movie where like the baby dies in the movie and it's like hor- mm-hmm. horrific or like uh, Requiem for a Dream or something like that? How it's just intense the whole time, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I I totally get that actually. And this is a really intense scene, and it's kind of crazy. Like they never explain what happened with that couple because you know after they rescue the one baby, they just like. They they just uh, l- go about the rest of their night. So like the one guy's convinced that like the woman isn't a vir- is a virgin. You know what I mean? He thinks it's yeah. like a miracle. He's like, we don't do drugs, we don't have sex, blah 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 blah. And it's like it's like you never learn like what was the deal with those two people, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, it's it it's a yeah wild stuff. I get that though. I feel like there's a Jerry Springer episode in there. Gotta be, gotta be, and it, but it's just the babies. <laughs> They're the guests. Uh, the following morning, Frank sees Mary uh, leaving the hospital and follows her in uh, to an apartment block. Uh, Mary tells Frank that she is visiting a friend, and he escorts her to the room. After waiting a while, Frank barges in and discovers that it is a drug den run by a man named Cy Coates. Uh, Mary admits that she has turned back to drugs to cope with her father's condition, and as Frank tries to get her to leave, Cy offers him some pills. Um, in a moment of depre- uh, desperation, Frank takes the drugs and begins to hallucinate, seeing more ghosts of his patients. Once sober, he grabs Mary and carries her out of the building while visiting a comatose Burke in the jail or in the hospital. Frank starts hearing Burke's voice in his head telling Frank to let him die, but he resuscitates Burke instead. Um, yeah, that, yeah, this yeah. part, this stuff's really nuts too. Also, we didn't really talk about the car crash, but like that is crazy. Like the ambulance car just crashed. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Um. Anyway. Also uh, a big part of Nicolas Cage's like thing is like he's, he's, 
he's basically well he's he is an alcoholic right but he's basically like his day is just like him waiting until just trying to put off drinking as long as he can right like he's like okay can we finally can we have a drink yet or what yeah right yeah um, he's he, yeah. he he keeps needing to have a drink like he any references like 6 a.m is his like time to drink because it's like when his shift is kind of over yeah yeah but I, I i love the stuff with ving rames by the way i think he's like my like as much as i love john goodman ving rames is like my favorite of the partners he has like him doing the jesse jackson stuff like the the Pentecostal preacher stuff to like raise that kid from the dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like that dark nightclub is like so funny to yeah. me. And like, he's just, he's just such a funny character in this. And like, I don't know. Love him, man. I think he's, I think he's, I, I think he, his character really works. And it like, it's such a good juxtaposition of both John Goodman and Tom Sizemore. John Goodman for as, as, as much as I love him, I feel like is like the weakest of the three characters. Like I don't quite know who or what John Goodman really is, you know, like he just seems like a guy who really wants to eat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, but Ving Rhames is like, he's always got that cigar, you know, he's just cool. Um, let's see here. In his third shift, Frank is paired with Tom Wolves, an enthusiastic man with violent tendencies. You ever smoke a cigar, by the way? Yeah, I have. Not, not. Did often. you enjoy it? I never figured out how to smoke those to to where you would enjoy them. Like I would always inhale or not inhale enough, and yeah, never, never really got into them much. What about you? I've I've smoked a few cigars and I always like I smoked cigarettes before then and I never because I smoked cigarettes I never really like understood cigars because like you're just you're not supposed to inhale but you're just like tasting the smoke right I think you're supposed to accidentally have I, I, not accidentally, but like I think, like through just being around the smoke, that's sort of your inhaling of it. Okay. Like I don't think you're supposed to take a a puff of a cigar and inhale that smoke, but like enough of it gets in your lungs through just being around you. That I right. think that's where you start to feel the buzz or whatever of a cigar i i don't really know though because i've I've, again of all the cigars i've had they were never i never really like i think i understood them or really got into them and i never really had good ones either you know like a cuban or anything do you know who greg roman is comedic actor in la uh maybe yeah he uh there was a uh, uh uh a mod night you remember Mod Night, sketch comedy <laughs> thing in Los Angeles yeah. at the UCB Theater. And it was uh, the sketch that Nick uh, Ciarelli and Brad Evans wrote where Greg Roman was like a um, cigar aficionado. And huh. uh, I forget like what the whole bit, like what the whole oh, you know, like premise of the sketch was. Oh, he eats a cigar or something, But he right? eats a yeah, cigar. Yeah. Like he starts to eat a cigar and he threw up on stage. <laughs> like, yeah. He like pukes on stage. Yeah. It's really yeah, gross. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. I, I do remember that story now. <laughs> that's that's uh, the, really funny. The pair are then called to Sai's drug den where a shooting has occurred and find Sai impaled on a railing. This is also kind of funny how he's like, so uh, am I going to live or Yeah, what? yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, this Frank, scene this scene's like so it, it it's almost like fantasy, you know? Right. Like he's just yeah, it's so weird. Um this whole thing of him cut them cutting a side down and him having this conversation with Frank. Frank holds on to Sai as emergency services cut the railing, but both are nearly flung off the edge before being pulled back up. Sai then thanks Frank for saving his life and becomes the first uh, patient Frank has saved in months. Afterwards, Frank agrees to help Tom beat up no- uh, Noel and chase him down. Frank starts to hallucinate again, snapping out of it just as he comes upon Tom beating Noel with a baseball bat. 
As Frank visits Burke again, the voice pleads for death once more, and Frank removes Burke's breathing apparatus, causing him to fatally enter cardiac arrest. Frank then heads to Mary's apartment to inform her where Mary accepts her father's death. Frank is invited in and falls asleep at Mary's side. And we see a little flash of light. Yeah, it's like a little angelic sort of halo or something. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> not as funny as the other Scorsese's, but, <laughs> yeah. but still pretty Definitely good. not as funny as Last Temptation of Christ. No. Um, yeah, man. That was bringing out the dead. Um, kind of a weird ending. Like, what do you make of that? You know, it's like... It's like uh, he kills the dad, but then like it's kind of a good thing because they were just keeping him alive for the family's sake, kind of. Right. Yeah. Very strange. I don't know. I wonder if it was maybe like somehow an act of like love for Mary. You know what I mean? Like, like he learns that like Mary is like, you know, sabotaging her life because of uh, her father, you know, being in this situation. And Nicolas Cage, I think, like knows that the guy's gonna die eventually. I don't know. Yeah. I I guess I didn't think too much into it, but I don't really understand the the light, the flash of the flash of light. But I I like it. I, I think it to me that represents sort of like them finding like a hope or something at the end. Like it's sort of an optimistic ending. Also, I feel like, you know, it's the first time he's probably actually gotten real sleep this whole time. So there's something about it that's like, yeah, almost a I do like that, it, that the movie ends with him conking out. Yeah, that's nice. That feels that feels like justice. <laughs> yeah. Um that stuff with Tom Sizemore is real crazy. Like we didn't really get into some of those scenes, but like there's that scene with the guy who wants to commit suicide where he's convincing him that like this piece of tape is going to like take all of his suicidal thoughts away. And then like they scare him and he runs away and like Tom mm-hmm. Sizemore is just a real asshole in this. You know? Um, yeah. Real piece he's, of work. Uh, yeah. Well, Eric, what would you rate this? Well, if I had to give it a rating, and I suppose since we gave ratings to the other ones, I probably should. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I gave... Going Overboard a one out of four. <laughs> and it's definitely a lot start, better than you're, that. You're going to start with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So bringing out the dead, I will give this a <clears throat> 2.75. Nice. That's pretty uh, high. Well, four. Out of four. Actually, yeah. You know what? Now nah, I'll do two point five. Two point five. Okay, 2.5. you're going lower. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I am what going. About you? I'm going to give it a three point two five. Like I said before, it is one of my favorite Scorsese movies. I do think it's very underrated. Um, I'm also gonna just so everyone knows, I'm gonna lower my Cape Fear score from a three point two five down to a three. And I'm going to lower my color of money score from a three to a 2.75. Wow. I do. Wow. I, I, I think that adjusts kind of correctly. Um, yeah, I gave Casino a 3.5. Um, and I and I think that this film is not quite Casino level good, you know. But I do think it's just under under that for me. And I think the thing I like most about it is that like it has such a unique and distinct visual style. I think all the performances are just really well done. 
I think this film is emblematic of a time that we used to get more movies like this that we don't really get anymore. I'm kind of obsessed with that right now. Like just like a tone of a movie that wouldn't be made today because people aren't doing that. Like there's a grit to it that like you just don't see a lot of these days. Um, you know, I think it has its flaws for sure. Like I actually don't think Patricia Arquette who I'd normally like in movies is that great in this. Um, I also don't really care for, you know, like I mentioned, like I don't think the size stuff fully works for me. Um, but, uh, but overall I think like it just looks and sounds and feels so cool. The soundtrack is really cool. Uh, and again, it gets like a lot of props for me just for like showing me a world that I don't typically see or don't typically see done in this way. Um, or visualized in this way. So, yeah, three point two five for me. Well, Jeremy, I'm gonna raise mine to a two point seven five. No, nice. I'm not gonna be a coward. <laughs> I convinced him, folks. Now lower your yeah. little Nikki score. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um. Well, I don't know what my little Nikki score is anymore. Oh, you lost all your so scores, to, huh? We, we're going to have to I go did, back and yeah. listen to every episode to find the scores. Nah, I'm just going to re-rank them, I think. Okay. <laughs> well, just remember, <laughs> Going Overboard and Boxcar Bertha both are ones out of four. Right. <laughs> it, weirdly oh, enough, and, I do still have Spanglish. the Spanglish. <laughs> Spanglish is a one out of four. Man. Uh, you know... Jeremy, uh, I wonder if Scorsese is going to get a one. I feel like he's not. I feel like there's no way that we give a Scorsese movie a one. Well, we gave Boxcar Bertha a one. Oh, we did. Okay, never mind. Yeah, and um, I and I do think that is a one. Are you sure Sandler's not in Boxcar Bertha? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Patreon.com/slash Eric and Jeremy for all sorts of good stuff and Norma I'll see you in my dreams <laughs>